my wife is disappointed this morning, but she said to tell you that she thanks you for all your prayers and your love and support. The flowers were beautiful. The calls have been wonderful. The cards have been great. And uh, the only disappointment she has is she said she went to all this work to get these beautiful suckers. And she can't give them out. But all the children and the youth this morning, if you'll come through the center doors, you'll get yours. All right? We'll make sure you get one. And uh, I told her, I said, well, there's one plus on this. If there's any left, I'll bring them home and take them to the hospital. You can take that pole that you're holding on to and pass them out to every, every room you pass. <laughs> so we'll see how that works out. All right? I tell you, this is a great day. The Lord is good, and He's wonderful, and we appreciate all that He does. Somebody mentioned about my white jacket. I said, there, for years I had a white suit. I tell you, I had that thing for years and years and years. And every Easter I would wear it. We had a missions convention at our church, and we were raising money for missionaries. And the Johnsons were there. And uh, the Johnsons were... Uh, he was trying to get bicycles for the pastors in the foreign land. That's what they used. They didn't, they didn't run cars like we did. They used bicycles. So he said, we're going to make a challenge to try to get at least five new bicycles. And they had to be a special bicycle. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. If, if you will get five bicycles for those preachers, I'll give them all a suit. So Brother Johnson came to my closet. And you know what happened to my white suit. <laughs> he went to a preacher over there, and that's okay. I was glad that it happened. But I was willing to give my five if they would give five bicycles. So we made a deal, and it worked out. And uh, so uh, uh, later in life, my wife said, you yeah, I have a white jacket. So I, I wear it once a year. You won't probably see it again until next year. And, of course, I hope I'm not here next year. <laughs> but you won't see it until next year, okay? <laughs> but anyway, uh, that, that's kind of the thing that goes. You know, James Moore tells a humorous story about Easter Sunday. He had a sunrise service, and uh, uh, his musician uh, overslept. Missed the sunrise service. When she showed up, uh, of course, everybody teased her, and, and uh, they had fun with it, and they forgave her. And, and so the next year, uh, at 5 o'clock in the morning, the phone rang. And there was a... It, 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 she wasn't expecting it because they weren't having a sunrise service that year, but the phone rang, jolted her out of the bed, and she ran and grabbed the phone, and it was the pastor. He said, Carol, the Lord has risen. This is Easter. The Lord has risen, and you ought to also. <laughs> I, I'm glad y'all didn't oversleep this morning. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're a part of it. But you know, I got to thinking about this. I, I'm so glad this Easter morning that uh, as we come together, it is the most important day of the year in the life of the church. A great time when we come together because, you see, Jesus is not in that tomb. He has risen. And I want to tell you, I go down to the Scripture in chapter in, in John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. 
Each of them have, a, in the New Testament, each one of those uh, writers have a different account of the resurrection. But here's what John said in chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from its entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter, another disciple, uh, who we believe was John, and said unto them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and John started to the tomb. Both were running, but John outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in and saw the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him, which is true to his impulsive character. He went straight in through the door into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen and the cloth that once covered the body of Jesus. But the body was gone and the tomb was empty. Finally, John also went inside and the gospel writer says he saw and believed. However, it also says they still did not understand the Scripture that Jesus had risen from the dead. I thought that was kind of interesting. With all that he taught them, with all that he told them, it says that they, he still didn't quite understand. The disciples didn't have a clue of what it meant to have a missing body. I thought about that for a moment. I thought about what it was all about. You know, you come to this church service today, on this Easter morning, with the assurance. If you're a Christian, you're assured that our Savior has risen from the dead. We know that. We believe that. That's why we're here today. That's why it's an exciting day. But the early disciples had no such assurance. They didn't have the assurance that you and I had. You see, that first Easter morning was rather a time of grief. It was a time for the disciples of grief and reflection. You see, they had followed this man called Jesus. They had come to know him as someone special. He was someone that was unique in his character. They believed that He was the Messiah, the one that would save Israel, but they, had, they were not assured of what all that really meant at that time. They were brokenhearted. There, was a, there certainly was nothing in their minds of Him being some military leader that was going to come and, uh, and revolt against Rome because... He said, love your enemies. Nobody that's going to fight against somebody would love their enemies. So he wasn't a military person. What kind of Messiah was he? We know that he wasn't a wimp. The reason I say that is because he drove the tax collectors out of the temple. We know that he was not a wimp because in the midst of all the terrible suffering that that, that that, that was going on, he still forgave them. Nobody has that kind of power if you're a wimp. He was a strong man, but a man not given to violence or vengeance. More than anything else, he was a man of peace. Jesus was a peacemaker. 
He even spoke peace to the angry waves that was on the sea. And they listened to him. But now he was gone. Now this man that they had walked with and talked with and ministered with, the one that they believed in, the one that they had hopes that would set up a kingdom, the one that they thought would be along with them through life, now he was gone, crucified, dead, and buried. That's the reality that confronted those disciples on that first Easter morning. And then as we make the story even worse, when they came after they saw him nailed to that cross, saw him wearing that crown of thorns, saw him being abused and, and taken down from that cross and put into that tomb. Worse than anything was that when they came to the tomb that morning, again, to reverence him, to, to take care of him, to put the spices on him, to do a, a proper burial for him, when they came with all of that, someone had taken the body. They were sure that somebody stole that body. You see, they didn't know what we know. They were scared because of what had taken place. And so they had gone to this. And think what that meant. The world's people today, when we have fallen members and we have fallen leaders, as you think about it and you watch the news and you see wherever someone has died, wherever there's been a killing, wherever there's been a soldiers have been laid aside, we go there, we bring flowers, we bring remembrances, we bring things that, that they have done and that we believed in, and we give them to them. But these disciples had none of that because the body was gone. But you know, through all that sadness, as Mary was standing there weeping beside that tomb. As a mother would. What have you done with my son? Wasn't it terrible enough that you crucified him? Wasn't it terrible enough that you abused him the way you did? But to take his body from me. And there was a voice that spoke. Mary, why are you weeping? And any mother, any mother knows her child's voice. Thinking it might be the gardener, but then she heard that voice again and she realized it was Jesus. She went back to tell the disciples. Again, we find those that were disappointed on that day after it was over, they were going back to the ro up the road of Emmaus and as they were walking along, they were talking about how they would get back into life and what they would do because this promised Messiah had been killed, had been taken from them. And now they'll have to go back to what they wanted. And in the midst of all of that talking, it was when they stopped to have lunch. And they realized when Jesus broke the bread and He began to share with them that He was alive and truly the Messiah. I thought about that. Those disciples' emotions up and down and up and down all day long. As I thought about them, they saw as a stranger later that evening where they had all gathered together behind locked doors, the risen Christ appeared in the midst of the followers and showed them 
as he came through. He didn't even open the door. He walked right in. And they probably thought, why, why, what's going on in our minds? What's making us believe this? What's making us think this way? And Jesus said, it's me. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Look at the side where the Spirit hit me. I am your Lord. I am Jesus. I have risen. I tell you what, there wasn't a quiet person in the house that day. I believe there was shouting that took place because surely they knew. It's an amazing story. Jesus' followers go from despair to, to astonishing joy all within a day's time. And you know what happens in our lives? I've known people that have come to the crucial of their life. They think life's over. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. I'm an awful person. But they come to Jesus. And when they come to Him, in that same day that they were filled with pain and discernment, Jesus touched them and cleansed them. And they left with joy in their hearts. I want you to see three things. I want to consider the joy that resounded that day 2,000 years ago is still the joy that makes us excited today. I drove in this morning. It was a beautiful day. sun was shining. And I flipped on the radio station. I finally found one that had music for the resurrection. And I began to worship through that. I began to... I didn't know all the songs, and, but I was singing along with them anyway. I mean, people driving by me wonder what's going on with that guy over there, but that was okay. I was enjoying the day. But you know, the message of that brings joy to our hearts. We're excited because of, of what this day is. And over the world, I want to tell you something, all around the world this morning, from the farthest point of the world to the very ends of the world, there are people all around today saying, listen, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. It's exciting to know that he's alive. There's a couple things I want you to see in this service today. First of all, Christ has conquered death. That's the same message every Easter, but it never grows old. Christ has conquered death. What gives me hope is to know that there's a lot of folks that I know that I have had to speak the last words over. They have died. They were my best friends. They were the best people in our churches. They were family members. But I want to tell you something. Because Jesus is alive, I know that I'm going to see them again someday. You see, so death is not the grim reaper. Max Cato tells a story about a missionary in Brazil who discovered a tribe of Indians that were in a remote part of the jungle. He said, but when they discovered them, there was a, there was a great plague of some kind of sickness that was going over and taking the lives of the older ones, the middle-aged and the younger ones. It seemed like it just kept spreading. And they were losing people. Their families were in distraught. They were upset because many of their people were dying. And yet, Someone said there's a hospital just across the river. That hospital might be able to help you. But they couldn't get there. The reason was is they believed that that stream of water, that there was an evil spirit in it, and if they got into that water, they would die, and it would spread the plague even worse. 
But the missionary said, no, I crossed that river to get to you. He went down to the river and had him come with them. And they stood there and watched him as he went down. And he put his hands in the water. And he turned around and says, there's nothing wrong with it. That, there's, that water won't bother you. But they just listened and said, no. Finally, he walked out into the water about waist deep. And he showed them as he splashed the water and put it in his face. There's nothing evil about this water. But they said, no. Finally, he said, I've got to find a way. So he came back to the banks and he dove into that river and swam from one side to the other underwater and come to the other side raising his hand and saying, it's okay. Finally, they begin to clap. They realize you could go through the water and come out alive on the other side. I want to tell you something. That's exactly what Jesus did for you and me today. He went through the water of evil. He went through the troubles that we have. He came out on the other side victorious, and you can too, if you'll trust Him. You see, that's what the resurrection is all about. It's about living a life. It's about coming out on the other side. I want to tell you something. The same way Christ made the journey from this world to the next, He returned to tell us that the journey is safe. A loving Father is awaiting on the other side with a gift for every one of us. And the gift is, is total healing, total life, no sickness, no pain, no discouragement, none of these things. He's going to give you eternal life with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. People can raise many, many times arguments against the idea of the resurrection. But you know what? When I hear people say that, I tell them there's one thing that I know. If you'll read the Scripture, you'll say there's, there's one thing they cannot argue against is the dramatic change in the life of those disciples. Those disciples that believed it was over. Those disciples that didn't know. They thought Jesus had been, had been a, a leader that just had been killed off. But when they found out He was alive, it changed their lives. I tell you how much it changed them. If you'll study those disciples, you'll find that every one of them went through tremendous agony before life was over. Many of them died cruel, cruel deaths. But you know why they could do that? You know why they did not speak back in harassment? You know why they didn't try to go against or hold somebody accountable for it? Because they knew that death no longer held them. That when they died here, they were going to be alive in eternity. That's the thing that makes people go through, through life the way they do. When we know that He lives within us, the knowledge that death has been conquered and free to live, knowing that whatever happens in life goes on and on and on, but someday you're going to be in eternity. I thought about the story of the pastor. Chriswell tells about an occasion that he had in flying in an airplane from one message one place he was preaching to another and when he got on the plane and was seated he recognized the fellow that was sitting next to him as a great theologian he had never met him but he knew the name and he knew he knew the pictures that he had seen and and so they were sitting there and and as they were sitting there the in a little while the the, the pastor you know like we do we try to get our nose in everybody's business said well how are you today and he began to talk to him, and, and he noticed that he was broken. He said, not very good. 
He said, I just lost my son. He said, what happened? He said, well, you know, he said, my, my boy was in school. And he said, he got sick. And they sent him home, and we tried doctoring. Finally took him to a doctor. And, and we just thought it was one of those things that kids catch in school. But he says, as we begin to deal with it and the doctor begin to check him, they found out it was a bad case of meningitis. And the doctor said, this has gone so far through his body, there's no way. There's nothing more that I can do that I can guarantee you it's going to save his life. This boy is going to die of meningitis. The theologian said, there was nothing I could do. So he said, the doctor said, just comfort him and be with him and help him through this time. And so the father sat down beside in the afternoon with his son. He held him in his lap for a while and then he set him on the edge of the bed. And as they were sitting there talking, the little boy said, Daddy, I'm getting tired. Could I lay down? He said, well, yes, son, you can lay down. Pretty soon he laid there and sat up a little bit, and then he laid back down. And he said to his daddy, he said, Daddy, uh, things, things are getting dark. Is it getting dark outside? And his daddy said, Yeah, honey, it's, it's okay. It's getting dark. He sat there a little while, and he said, You know, it's just getting so dark, and I'm so tired. Maybe you suppose it's bedtime. His daddy said, Yeah, it, it, it's, it's bedtime, honey, if you want to go to bed. He said his boy, you know, he fluffed the pillow and turned two or three times like we do. And he had a way that he laid with his hand under his head, under the pillow. And he said he got all settled in. And he said to his daddy, he said, Daddy, I think it's time for me to go to sleep. He said, it's okay, son. It's all right. You can go to sleep. The little boy turned to his daddy and said, Daddy, I'm going to go to sleep now. Good night. I'll see you in the morning. He never awoken. Dr. Criswell said the man looked out the window of the plane for a long time. And all of the ten minutes, he said, he turned his head and he looked at me and he had tears dripping off his cheek. He said, Pastor, I just can't wait till morning. I just can't wait till morning. You see, that man knew there was life beyond the grave. Church, death isn't the last great enemy. I want to tell you something. Death is a transformation, if you know Jesus Christ, from this life to eternity. You know I, I, sometimes I get to thinking about that and get so excited I can hardly hold it in my skin. I'm going to tell you, I just get excited about it. I, I can't wait. You see, the first thing I want to do when I get to heaven, I want to see Jesus who died on that cross, who gave His life, who shed His blood we sang about this morning, that cleansed me and made me available to go to heaven. And then I want to see a host of others. My son that's there, my parents, my grandparents, the host of people that I would... My wife and I have been talking about this. I guess it's age that gets you into that. 
But we've been talking about all the saints that we've known through the last 50 years that are over their way. We have a greater church over there than we got here. With all the folks that are over there. You know what gives me the hope of that? You know what makes me go from day to day, time to time, place to place? Is that I know, I know, there's no doubt in my mind, I know that one day I'm going to see those folks again. Death has been conquered today, church. We are free to live at the knowledge that whatever happens to us, whatever happens. I mean, people say all the time, they say, you know, you travel on the road, don't you ever worry about dying out there? No, that's just, an, that's just another escape to get to heaven. Whatever it takes. I know one thing, God's going to protect us as long as we live in this life. And one day, one day there's going to be a knock on the heart's door. Said this is the last one here. We'll start over again over there. This is what gives us hope today, the sense of peace, regardless of the situation. Life is not easy. Life is not easy. I, I could stand here and tell you, you know, all these years, I, I, I'm not one to tell you all the problems, but I'm going to tell you something, life's not always been easy. Sometimes, you know, I'd work so hard, I'd be in a place and I'd stay there for 10 or 15 years, and then all of a sudden God begins to stir something in me, and I, that old wave begins to roar. And I begin to pray and say, Lord, is there, is there something else you want me to do? And the first thing you know, He's making me move somewhere to Timbuktu that I don't know nobody. I just got comfortable. I just got to know. I got people doing things the way I think they ought to do them. And now I'm going to move on. Life can be hard. Sometimes we get sick. We don't understand why, but that's part of life. We're living in a sinful world, and sin's got all kinds of... You know, it, it, it attracts no matter what it is. I mean, somebody out here can do something. You know, I've known people that, that, that never smoked in their life. And yet died of lung disease because they lived in a home where everybody else did. They didn't do it, but somebody else did. You know what? We live in a world that, that that's the thing that's wonderful about the resurrection is, is that we're going to move out of this world one of these days. And we're going to move in to where Jesus wants us. Today, life doesn't prevail and give, gives us hope for living of our lives. Easter is important not only as a sign of, of death being conquered, but I look at Easter as a sign of that, that, that life has, has been conquered. Not just death. Life has been conquered. Because He died, we can live. He's given us a life. We no longer need to live in slavery to, to fear and sin. We've been set free, church, because I live, Jesus said, you shall live also. You know, I thought back in the 50s, there was a great earthquake that hit China. Some of you may have read the story. But in the 50s, there was an earthquake that shook the country. It shook the mountain. It dislodged a huge boulder out of the side of the mountain. And when they went to investigate, where that boulder came out of the mountain? was a whole cave of relics, of antiques. A new world had been discovered because of an earthquake. 
When I read that story, I said, Louise, it'll preach. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. When the earthquake hit and the stone was rolled away, a new world was brought into existence. An eternal real world. A world where we didn't have to fear death any longer. We didn't have to fear the grave any longer. We shall live because He lives. And that's true today. We know that on Easter Day, when the stone rolled away and the earth shook, we got the first glimpse of a new world. We got the first glimpse of beyond the grave, a world where death does not have its last words. Death has been conquered, church. We are free to live with the knowledge that whatever happens in life beyond this grave, my friend, because He lives, we can live victoriously, freely, without fear. And that's why around the globe today, that's the reason why everywhere you listen today, in every church, you're going to hear He's alive. You're going to hear those songs about the resurrection because, you see, it goes from one end of the world to the other because God has sent His Son to set us free. But you know, I wonder about you that are sitting here this morning. You see, you can, you can know that Jesus paid the price. But have you paid the price? Have you come to the place to say, Lord Jesus, I want you to have full control of my life. I want you to take control of my life. I want you. You know, the Bible talks about, talks about the sting of death. Oh, sin. Oh, 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 sin, death. Where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And you know something? You know what Jesus did? There's a, there's a father had a had a boy that was riding in the back seat of his car on a summer day. And as they were driving down through the road, all of a sudden he began to scream and yell and go almost hysterical on his daddy because, you see, this boy had an allergy to bees. If they stung him, it could take his life. He had been there. He knew it. And as they were traveling that day and the windows opened and that bee came into the car and he was skidging in the back seat, he's screaming and carrying on. How many of you know what that's all about with your kids? Sometimes when you pass McDonald's and you didn't stop. But you know why? That little old boy, he began, he began to scream and yell and his daddy said, what's wrong? He said, dad, there's a bumblebee, there's a bumblebee. And his daddy looked back and saw that bumblebee and he reached out his hand and he grabbed it. Then he opened his hand and the bee took off. He said, son, it'll be okay. Pretty soon that bee began to slam around that car again. The boy started screaming. He said, no, no, no. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. He said, but dad, it'll sting me. He said, no, son. Look right there. The stinger's right there. He ain't going to sting again. Jesus took your sting today. Nothing can defeat you if you know Jesus. Nothing can conquer you if you know Jesus. Jesus took the sting of death for you and for me. But we have to allow Him to reach out and take us. This morning on this Easter morning, what a great time. What a great time to remember what Jesus has done. And maybe some of you may have never made that commitment to Jesus. 
Then there's other of you may have made the commitment, but you haven't lived up to it. Maybe this Easter Sunday would be a good time to spend just a few moments at that altar here or there and say, Lord, I thank you for what you've done for me. I thank you for giving your life. I thank you for taking care of me. But I want to yield myself to you today. I want you to give me that victory that when this life is over, I don't have to worry about nothing. I just know I'm going to go and be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, going to heaven is kind of like these youth over here. It's kind of like getting spring break. You know? You worked hard and you can't hardly wait. Man, you know what? The teacher said, just keep going, keep going. You're going to get a break after a while. You do. You know what? That's what heaven is. Heaven's going to give us a break from this world. And the good thing about it, we graduate. We never go back to it. Today, Jesus can make a difference in your life. He'll not force Himself on you. You've got to be willing to come seeking Him as those disciples did that very early in the morning. They came looking. They came wanting. They came desiring. And they finally found it. That's what you have to have in your heart today. If you'll come to Jesus, I guarantee you, He will make a difference in your life today. But you have to accept Him. And I'm going to give you that opportunity. Let's stand together. Father, this morning, You know our hearts and our lives. You know every person that sits in this building this morning, from the youngest to the old. You know what's going on in their life. And Lord, we just pray today that You would make a difference on this Easter Sunday. May it be the greatest Easter they've ever known in their entire life. Because, Lord, they come to meet You, the risen Christ, the One that can take away the sin and the agony and the shame and give them a victorious experience with You. Father, speak to hearts and lives today. Whatever the need might be, Lord, we pray that You would take care of it today, whether it be for salvation, whether it be for healing, whether it be for the infilling of Your Spirit in their life, whatever their need is. Father, we pray that You would meet that need right here today as we sing. In Jesus' name we pray. Will You come as we sing?